Well, good morning, everybody. To those of you in the room and those of you watching online, we're glad that you're here. Hope you have a great long weekend. And if you get Monday off, I hope that you get to enjoy that. James gets personal with chapter 3, and it hits home for me because he addressed his Bible teachers right off the start. As a teacher of the Bible, James, the brother of Jesus, says that I'm going to be judged by a different standard And he's going to specifically talk about the words that come out of my mouth, not just on the stage, but off of it. My mouth has gotten me into plenty of trouble, and sometimes it was not intentional. In public forums, I have said the wrong word at the wrong time because it's an occupational hazard. Some of you have been here when my verbal miscues have stolen an entire message and turned all of you into a group of fifth grade boys. I have stories that I'm not going to tell because I use the wrong word. Sometimes it's just a single letter that can change everything. As a pastor, I say the word heart a lot. If I mean to say heart and I start with an F, it is not good for anyone. Some of you, wow. Some of you have been here, and just the memory of some of those mistakes can make my face turn red. But if you want my face to turn red even faster, we won't talk about the unconscious mouth fouls. We'll know, well, if you want me to be truly embarrassed, we'll talk about the ones that came out of my mouth when I was just being plain sinful. I'm glad James welcomes us all in to the pain of James chapter 3 because he says this, we all stumble in many ways, and if you say that you don't, you just did. My mom used to say, Grant, watch your mouth. The truth is you can't unless there's a mirror available, right? It's physically impossible for you to watch your own mouth. But I wish I would have heeded the meaning of my mom's words because if I grasped the meaning, I would have saved myself so much pain. Anybody else with me? A few years back, I'm driving to work listening to KGMI, and I hear a report that there were 4,000 people out of power in Bellingham. And I was completely confused because there was no rain, there was no wind, there was nothing going on at all. In fact, it was a beautiful day. And then the host announced why so many people had lost power. The reason for the power failure was a squirrel. A fuzzy-tailed woodland creature had gotten into the equipment of a power substation, and that little animal caused mayhem and frustration because his little squirrel teeth and his little squirrel tongue went into the wrong wire at the wrong time. Zap! Lights at intersections were not working. Alarm clocks were not going off. God forbid your hairdryer didn't work, and it was all because of a little tiny thing that was not under control. James is going to hit us all where it hurts this week. He's going to grab us by the tongue and tell us like it is. I find some consolation in this matter. I think because James is writing about this problem, I think he had this problem just like the rest of us. We don't know for sure, but I think James has struggled with this area because if truth be told, everyone struggles with this area, and that's why he speaks so passionately about this muscle in the middle of your mouth. I mean, just stop and think about all of the sins you can commit with your mouth. I put a partial list in your outline and on the screens for your viewing pleasure. Let's review it together. Here are the sin list that comes attached to your mouth. Gossip. Slander, lying, boasting, cursing, swearing, and yes, there's a difference. Angry words, complaining, innuendo, self-pity, just to name a few. How many of us, if we're honest, can check a few boxes and it's only 10 a.m. in the morning? 
Just in case you missed it when Melanie was reading, let's review all of the wonderfully encouraging things James has to say about the strongest muscle in the human body, your tongue. This is the truth about the weapon in the middle of your head, the weapon in your mouth. Number one, I love this. No one does this perfectly. Verse two again says, we all stumble in many ways. So it means this. If you say that you have perfect control of your mouth, the brother of Jesus says you're lying. If you even think you've got a pretty good grasp on this particular issue, James says you're just one bad driving experience away from total and complete failure. Secondly, he says that this little thing, the tongue is small, but it's controlling. James uses two illustrations. He says when you put the, the bits into the mouth of horses, you can turn this huge animal. He also says, like, take ships, for example. I mean, they're, they're huge and they can be driven by storm winds, but they're all steered by this little tiny rudder. James talks about how you can control a massive animal with a tiny little bit. His lesson is pretty simple. Wherever the mouth goes, so goes the soul. That's scary. The aircraft carriers, the USS Nimitz, and the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower, they both weigh 91,400 tons. They're 1,092 feet in length, and they're powered by 280,000 horsepower nuclear reactors. Their crews number 6,100 sailors. The cost of the Eisenhower was $2 billion in 1977. Can you imagine the cost now? That cost doesn't include the 90 aircraft that she carries on board. They are both huge, and they are both controlled by a small metal rudder that is less than one one thousandth in size of the rest of the ship. Your tongue is small, but it can determine the direction of your life and steer you to either evil or godliness. It can direct you deeper into a storm if you don't learn how to hold on to it, or it can take you very safely to the refuge of a shore. Thirdly, James says that the tongue acts like a spark that ignites a forest fire. He says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. You know, fire has two elements. It can burn, but it can also shed light on all different kinds of things that are crawling around in the shadows. The fire of your tongue starts small, but it can take on a life of its own if you don't learn how to control it. Your tongue will expose who you really are, what you really think, and it will burn your soul if you leave it unchecked. I am speaking from experience. Are you encouraged already? James is just getting started. Number four, he says, the tongue can corrupt your entire being. It says the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. And it's this teeny little thing. What you say can and will determine your perspective on anything. If you wake up in the morning and say life sucks, it will not long, be long before it actually does. If you're a professional fault finder, it will not be long until that criticism that you wage on everyone else gets turned right back on you. James goes so far as to say that the tongue, if left unchecked, will set your whole world on fire and it is fueled by the fires of hell. I'm like, come on, James, tell us what you really think. 
He's not trying to be comforting. He's trying to be purposeful. The word hell in James chapter 3 is actually the Greek word for Gehenna. And James uses that word on purpose. Gehenna was a valley just outside of Jerusalem that was actually the town dump. And the dump was perpetually on fire. It smoldered constantly, pushing ash and smell and filth into the air around Jerusalem. And James is making a huge point. He's saying, you guys, you need to understand this. Grant, you've got to get this through your head. Unchecked, your mouth is a dump that's fueled by the filth of, cosmic, of a cosmic garbage heap, and if you let it run wild, it will destroy you. James continues and says, the tongue cannot be tamed. If you read verses 7 and 8, he says it. Man cannot tame the tongue. He just lays it out. You can tame a wild stallion, but you can't tame that thing in the middle of your head. You can control it, but it cannot be tamed by even the most spiritual person. You may believe you've got it all together, but what comes out of your mouth may prove you wrong. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Number six, James says that the tongue is full of poison. He calls it a restless evil, full of deadly poison. James says it's a restless evil. It just lays there inside of your head. Scaring your teeth, mortifying your gums, because nobody really knows when it's suddenly just going to unleash hell on all of the people around you. I think the rest of your mouth is scared of your tongue. They just never know when it's going to go off. And James says it's full of poison. And, And this is the proof. What comes out of your mouth can kill a reputation in seconds. What comes out of your mouth can inject a lethal dose of slander in a millisecond. Your tongue can inject the toxin of condemnation into a person's soul. And James keeps saying, it's deadly, it's deadly, it's deadly. And he's not done yet. Number seven, he says the tongue is undeniably inconsistent. Oh, just think about it. We use it to take the Lord's name in vain and then walk into church. We're in the parking lot. Oh, my God. And then we walk in the door. Oh, my God. We lie, cuss, curse, gripe, complain, slander, defame, whine, boast, and swear all week long. And then come into the church and sing, May the words of my mouth... And the thoughts of my heart, bless your name, bless your name, Jesus. We rip our spouse and then walk in the doors and want to praise Jesus together. We talk about a coworker behind their back and then walk down the hallway humming, all to Jesus I surrender. We celebrate God with one breath. We condemn someone made in his image the next, don't we? Isn't James a comforting soul this week? (laughs) It's just so good, right? He must have struggled with this one. He says we can't tame the tongue, but can we learn how to control it? We all want to control our tongue. I know you want to. Will you? I know I want to, but will I? If you can't tame it, 
how do you learn how to control it? I mean, if you think about that picture for just a moment, a, a tame animal can be trusted around people. I've got two little dogs. They are sometimes out of control, but I can pretty much trust them around people. The Bible says you can't tame this animal in the center of your head. So if you can't tame it, then what choices do we actually have? I mean, it seems to be quite the predicament. Well, I love the fact that God always knows what he's doing. And he not only created your tongue, but he also did this really cool thing. He actually anchored it in your head. There's a little piece of skin underneath of your tongue. It's called a frenulum. And it actually anchors your tongue to the rest of your head. It restrains it. It controls it. It can actually keep you from swallowing your tongue, which is actually physically possible. This tiny little strand of tissue holds your tongue in place. Well, if God anchored it physically, I wondered if he also has a plan for us to anchor it spiritually. Let's start with this. If you are going to learn how to control your tongue, you have to understand the power of words. Proverbs 12, 18, Solomon says, reckless words pierce like a sword. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Remember you remember this saying as a kid, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's not true, right? We all know that, right? You know why I know that? It's because therapist's office are full of adults trying to reconcile issues that they discovered as a child because somebody said something to them and it stuck with them until they were in their 50s and 60s and 70s. Do you know why this is an issue? It's because I know from personal experience words can be a weapon. And scripture is so clear. It says you can speak both words of life and death. I wonder about this. I've thought about it often. How many dreams have been snuffed out with the words, you're just not good enough? How many dreams have been made a reality when somebody showed up in somebody's life and said, you know what, that sounds like a crazy dream, but I believe in you. Words can kill or words can build. Here's something else we need to, to recognize when it comes to understanding the power of words. Once they are said, you can't have them back. I wish life came with a reset button. Have you ever had one of those moments you say something and you're like, as soon as the words are out of your mouth, you're like, no. And you're trying to reel them back in, but they've already landed on the ears of the person that you just took apart. And they've got this wounded, defeated, broken look, and you wish you could take them back. But they cannot come back once they're spoken. Words take on a life of their own as soon as they've come out of, their, as soon as they come out of our mouths which leads us to a piece of wisdom that I think is worth saying. I've said it before, I'm gonna say it again. Just because you're thinking it does not mean it needs to come out of your mouth. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was a master orator. He also struggled with his tongue and wrote about it in several of his journals. 
he wrote these words. He said, the boneless tongue, so small and weak, can crush and kill, declared the Greek. The tongue destroys the greater horde, the Turk asserts, than does the sword. A Persian proverb wisely saith, a lengthy tongue and early death. The tongue can speak the word of speed. The Chinese say outstrips the steed. While Arab sages this impart, the tongue's great storehouse is the heart. For Hebrew with this maxim sprung, though feet should slip, let not the tongue. The sacred writer crowns the whole who keeps his tongue doth keep his soul. Your words are powerful. What you speak can change the direction of a person's life. What you say to yourself can push you in a completely different direction. God keeps saying through his brother in this book, your words are powerful, use them well. Secondly, if we're gonna, if we can't tame it, how do we control it? The second point is to realize that changing your character starts with changing your words. Oh, I'm still learning how to do this. But I would add this to it. We need to practice the godly pause. The godly pause is this elusive moment when you have something to say. It's right on the tip of your tongue. You are ready to release it and unleash it. And yet something inside of you, I would call it the Holy Spirit, says, stop. For the love of God, stop. And you have a moment when you have to make a decision between charging ahead and just saying what you think needs to be said or hitting the pause button and saying, Jesus, help me make a decision right now. Should I say it? or not is this you or me i'll stop if you tell me to stop because i've been here before i've done this over and over again and i'd really like it to turn out differently i pray this prayer a lot god guard my mouth and i do not get it God, help me say the right thing at the right time. May every word that I say make you proud today. Once again, I come back to James saying, we all struggle with this, and controlling it actually starts with just being able to stop. Some of us are like, it just sounds so easy. <laughs> Anybody else found it just so easy? I don't think so. A part of controlling your tongue is learning how to pause before it all just comes tumbling out of you. Has anyone else noticed that there is a slippery slope to verbal sin? Like you just kind of get started and then it starts rolling down the hill and it picks up speed and before you know it, you are just so waist deep in the weeds. It starts out okay, but pretty soon you're just, you know, words are just tumbling out of you and, and some of us actually, things come out of us and then we actually, we have that moment where we go, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from, your soul. 
James talked about this earlier in the book, didn't he? Every one of us should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He's actually writing those words from Solomon. He's taking Solomon's ideas, which we actually spent all summer with the wisdom of Solomon, and he actually quotes this in Proverbs 21, verse 23. Solomon says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Can I give you a modern interpretation? If you learn how to slow this thing down, you're going to save yourself a lot of pain and trouble. (laughs) So easily said. So difficult to do. It takes discipline to stop. Before your words just run wild all over someone, we need to stop and invite Jesus into the conversation. I don't know about you, but I struggle to tear somebody up one side and down the other if I've stopped right beforehand and say, Jesus, would you speak through me right now? What about when we just get that, that judgmental thing going and it's just firing off the tip of our tongue and we're just like, I'm, I, just, I, I need everyone to know my opinion because I just believe in the depth of my soul. I've got to be right all the time. What if we stopped and said, Jesus... Speaking a word of life is more important than speaking my opinion. So would you mind stepping into the middle of this conversation? Because I don't want to do any damage. Let's keep moving. Another aspect of controlling your tongue is to ultimately believe that controlling your tongue is a matter of the heart. It's a heart issue that we will all be held accountable for. Let me be so bold. I think we've all lost a healthy fear of God in this area. And what we post on the internet and what comes out of our mouth is the proof. We think now we can say whatever we want to, whenever we want to, just because we're hiding behind a keyboard. God says, that's not true. I want you to think about this. I'm going to read a scripture in just a moment, and, it, and I'm going to warn you. I'm going to, I'm going to put a warning on it before it actually comes out of my mouth. But the essence of it is this. Every careless word that has ever come out of your mouth and my mouth has been heard by the God who created our tongue. So what should that knowledge do to us? Well, I believe it should keep us and drive us to keep the list of verbal offenses as short as is humanly possible. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is talking to a group of religious leaders. These were the people who should have known better. And Jesus does not sin, but makes an assessment of them by what he calls them in the beginning. This may be offensive to you, but we know Jesus didn't sin, so he found a way to dance on this line. Here's what he said. He goes, you brood of vipers, you pack of snakes, How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Some of you are more familiar with this translation. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. He goes on and says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be 
condemned. It may surprise you, but there are some interesting words that condemn us. The words, but I'm a good person, will actually condemn you because that's not what gets you into heaven. The words, I think I can do this on my own, will actually condemn you because the truth is we are fully dependent on God for everything. The words, I don't think I need God's help on this one, will actually condemn you because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, including guys who stand on platforms and wear microphones. Those are words that can condemn us. Here's another set of words that condemn us. I'm really glad that you preached about that this morning, Grant, but that doesn't apply to me. I'm doing great. Words that condemn us. Let's flip that coin over. What are the words that acquit us? What are the words that welcome God's forgiveness and mercy? Well, I don't know about for you, but for me it sounds like this. I know I don't deserve to stand before a pure and almighty God, but I don't stand here today on my own merit. I stand here today on the merit of my perfect Savior, Jesus. I'm a sinner, but he saved me. He is my Savior. I know we all want to speak those words. Here's the question, will you? I know we all want to clean up this thing in the middle of our mouth, but will we? Here's the final piece. If we're going to control the tongue, we need to make a conscious choice to speak as God would speak. 1 Peter 3. And I love the fact that it comes from Peter. If you read the Bible, Peter had a problem with his mouth. Oh, he got in trouble over and over and over again. One second he's saying, Jesus, I will die with you. The next second he's saying, Jesus, who? I have no idea who this, I have no idea who this guy from Nazareth is. He just showed up. I don't know what the deal is with him. A little girl shows up and says, no, Peter, I saw you with him. And what does he do? He swears at her and says, you must be mistaken. And yet years later, when Peter's been working through his stuff, just like James is calling us to work through his stuff, he writes these words, for whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So how about this coming week? How about making a conscious effort to control your tongue by not giving in to the list that I rambled off at the beginning of the outline? Can I ask you a question? How would your world look differently if you made a decision to not verbally complain about anything this week? 
What if you counted your blessings instead? Now, some of you are already looking for a loophole. You said, okay, as long as I don't say it, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And whether or not it actually comes tumbling out or not, that's, God hears everything from here. I just said that. What if you didn't complain for an entire week? I saw elbows flying between spouses. Keep your eye on your own sin. <laughs> what would happen if you walked away from office gossip for one week and didn't contribute to the fire? What if you agreed, I am not going to pour any fuel on the gossip fire in my office. Instead, I'm going to bring living water, live by example, and extinguish some of those flames through the grace of God. What if you just chose this week to only speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? It makes me uncomfortable, but I'm going to say it again because I'm preaching at me. What comes out of your mouth is the truest indicator of where you are spiritually. Let me say it another way. Your tongue conveys the condition of your soul 100% of the time. Some of you object, but Grant, I know a lot of Bible verses. So what? But I have a really well-defined systematic theology. It doesn't matter. But I go to church. Big deal. If you have all of that but can't speak words of truth and love, the brother of Jesus has a question for you. What good are you? You know, I shared the sin list at the beginning of the message. We better flip it over and look at the virtue list as well, right? I want you to listen to the potential goodness of a controlled tongue. I mean, if we can't tame it, but we can control it, if the people of Christ the King in Whatcom County and wherever you're watching from, if we would grab a hold of these virtues, can you imagine how different our world and homes would be? You can do all of these things with your tongue. Blessing, encouragement, truth-telling, expressed wisdom, humility, wholesome talk. With your mouth, you can share the words of life. So I got a question, just a series of questions. What if sometime during the next seven days, you pronounced a blessing over someone? What if you just walked up to someone and say, can, can I just say something to you? The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. It may be for you and your children and your children's children. Like, Grant, that would be weird. Have you ever tried it? What if you just spoke a word of encouragement to someone? Hey, I think you're doing an amazing job. I already heard a story this morning. Joe Martinez, if you're in the room, Joe is in charge of our greeters and the people that, that, that welcome you as you're coming in here. Joe, can I tell you something publicly? in front of your whole church family. You're doing awesome, bro. You're doing incredible work. 
You're making a difference inside of each one of us when we walk in the door. Joe, thank you for your story. Thank you for calling this place home. I love you, Joe. What if you just said, I'm going to tell the truth? What if you used your tongue to speak wisdom to someone who's just in a really confusing time? I'll tell you what, there's a place for a godly pause, right? Somebody comes up to you and says, I'm just confused. I don't know exactly what I should do. If the first thing out of your mouth is, well, here's what I would do. What if you stopped and said, Jesus, in this moment, this person needs a word of wisdom. I don't have the wisdom that they need, but you do. Can you just give me something? That's a prayer God will say yes to. What if you refused this week to talk about yourself and instead used every opportunity to build somebody else up? What if your tongue could actually speak healing over someone? What if you adamantly refused to let a coarse word come out of your mouth and instead used your tongue to speak hope, joy, and love? I mean, I just want you to think about this. Words create worlds, and you could change a person's world with a single Anyone else agree the world needs to be changed? Let's use our words. You know what you need in order to speak words? A tongue. All right, we gotta wrap this up. My old school report cards all say the same thing. They all say Grant is very gifted verbally. <laughs> Let me translate that. Grant talks too much in class. Grant is gifted verbally. That's both good and bad. It still is. Just like you, I've got a weapon in my mouth and each day I'm forced to recognize that I've got a choice to make. I can speak words of life or words of death, words of hope or words of hypocrisy. I can use words to minimize something and say to someone I love, fine, I'm sorry. Or I can use words of ownership and say I was wrong and let me tell you why. Would you please forgive me? I love that there's forgiveness from God for the sins of the tongue. Boy, we all need it. And maybe you used your words to crush someone a year ago or maybe a day ago or even on your way into the building today. Here's what I can tell you. You can ask for forgiveness and God will forgive. I know you want to, but will you? So I've got a couple of projects for you this week that are wrapped in this series as we get ready to head towards the fall. You know, Scripture says that, that we can actually spark a small, or a huge fire with just a small spark. And I think we've all seen this, right? It's been played out on social media time after time after time after time. We've seen all the division and the brokenness that words can create in our lives. So this week, we're gonna try and flip the script upside down. We're going to use every opportunity, either with a spoken word or a typed word, to build people up instead of tear them down. So here's how this works. We talked about these seven positive outcomes that our words can create in this world, right? Blessing, encouragement, truth-telling, expressed wisdom, humility, wholesome talk, and words of life. So this week, we've got a challenge for you. I want you to pick one of those outcomes. If you know an encourager... I want you to pick one of those outcomes or someone who speaks blessing or someone who speaks words of life into you. I want you to ask for permission 
take their picture, post it on social media, and tell the world why you appreciate them and use the hashtag, hashtag CTK speak love. Grant, that's not going to make any difference. How will you know if you don't try? So if I was going to do this, if I needed an encourager, I would take a picture of Brian Barron's. Brian's always cheering for people. That was awesome. That was good. That was so helpful. Thanks for doing this for me. He just speaks words of life over and over and over and over again. So if I was going to do this, I would say, I'd like you to meet an encourager. And I would post a picture of Brian Barron's and I would hashtag it CTK speak love. We're never going to know the difference it will make if we don't actually do it. We've got one more little project for you that's waiting in the commons right now. There were some boxes out there. They looked like suggestion boxes. We're starting to collect some questions. We do this crazy thing here about three or four times a year called Ask Me Anything. Scary. You ask questions, I stand up here with the Bible and off the cuff, I try to answer as best I can. This year, we're gonna share the pain and on the last weekend of September, Pastor Brian and I are going to sit up here together and our friend Drew is going to go through questions because here's what we began to notice. There were a lot of questions people would like to ask but they didn't ask because their name or their phone number or their text identification was attached to it. So maybe you've heard this little phrase, asking for a friend. Is asking for a friend. <laughs> I don't want my name attached to it, but I'm asking for a friend. We're going to ask you to use your words. And if you've got a question that you would not have the courage or the guts to put with your name attached to it, we'd like you to ask that question for a friend. And then Brian and I will use our words to hopefully bring words of hope and life. And we're going to do the best we can to not get in trouble. <laughs> because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you have two challenges. Find someone who uses their tongue for good, take a picture and post it with the hashtag CTK speak love. And then when you're leaving today, when it's inconspicuous and nobody is watching you, write out a question so that you can ask for a friend. You might be surprised what God does with your question. Would you pray with me as we close? God, thank you for this morning on this weekend. Lord, for those uh, that are working tomorrow, I pray that you would give them grace. For those that have a day of rest, I pray that you would give them Sabbath. Lord, would you help us to learn how to control our tongue? And even as we move into the comments today, may we speak words of life and hope. Or for all of my friends that are at home or maybe watching from a campsite somewhere around this beautiful state or from another country, Lord, I pray that each of us would use our words to bless, to encourage, to impart wisdom, and most of all, to bring hope. We give ourselves to that good work today. And all God's people say, amen. amen. I'm going to give you an opportunity to practice before you leave. So would you all stand with me in the room? 
God strategically puts some people around you. They may be a few seats away, but they are here. And I want to encourage you before you leave today to speak a word of greeting, a word of hope, a word of love, a word of encouragement, or even just a word of acknowledging that you see somebody else in the room. I really, truly believe it matters. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back next week.